You're listening to The Collective Church Podcast. For more information, please visit our website, thecollectivechurch.ca.za. Scared of the front row, eh? Hey? <laughs> Thank you. So, uh, just Peter brought a word now, which I think is so applicable about God's timing, and I think what I'm going to talk into today, but... Let's see if we, maybe to share that later, Peter, at, um, if there's ministry time. We had a slow start today, um, and we have load shedding at 12, and I think I'm about 45 minutes. So um, let's see how we do, otherwise you will receive in the dark. <laughs> I think it's been such a long year for some people, and we end up this, this long but and difficult but also beautiful season of what the Lord is doing. Isn't there such a, there's difficulty sometimes, but it's just mixed and blended with so much beauty often as well. And so what I'm wanting to preach on today is promises, process, and then the perspective we get through the process. So I'm going to be sharing some of our story over the last um, two years, it's probably about three years in the making, um, just a little bit of a snippet of what we've been struggling through and winning in, and, but just the processes of what we've been wrestling with. And, you know, I watched in October um, last year, I watched an interview with T.D. Jakes and Stephen Furtick from Elevation Church, and he was interviewing him about a book called Saw. I don't know if you know that, that book. Um, you know, great book, great title, right? We love to soar. Um, and then, and I, I got the book and I, I read it. And then in November, uh, Jacques sent me a, uh, another interview. And it's like the follow-up interview, right, of this. Uh, not the follow-up. It's another book he's writing. So it's the second time he's back at Stephen Furtick's church. And he says to him, the name of the book is called Crushing. <laughs> so Stephen's like, what's up? Like, you know, the last time I had you on stage here, you were talking about Saw, and now you've written a book, Crushing. And he's like, what's going down, you know? And T.D. Jakes, in the beautiful voice that he has, how he speaks, just said, there's no, there's no contradiction, or they, they actually work hand in hand. Promises and process and testing actually work hand in hand. And... Um, they're not opposed to each other, right? And so he was just saying that, you know, we love to preach about the promises, the good things, what the Lord's going to do, all the wonderful high mountaintop moments. We love those things. But we don't really preach about the process that much, right? Um, and so what that does in people is that when you go through something that feels like a crushing, you feel like it's opposite to what has been preached, and it's not. It's part of the process. And he just gives this lovely story about uh, the chicks getting kicked out of the nest, you know. I think it was in his first book, Saw. Um, they get kicked out of the nest so that they can saw, right? But there's the other part of the process, that's the crushing, that as they are hurtling down and fearing for their life, you know, flight or fright or whatever, <laughs> Um, looking back up and like, Mama, you're not good. You're not good in that moment. Must be their thought, like you're killing me. You're kicking me out of this moment. And it's the very thing they needed in order to be able to soar. And so we can be like that sometimes in the moment, which feels completely contrary to what you think God would do. Actually, you look back post-process, when we get perspective, and you actually, oh my word, you were helping me soar there. You were helping me fly. If I didn't go through that, I wouldn't be where I am. So, so we love the promises. We love those moments when, the, you know, I don't know, there's some very anointed prophet and he's walking down the aisle and he walks down and he stops at you and he lays his hand on you and he gives you a word that's just crazy, that is just confirms things, but it's also wildly out there. And there's goosebumps, and you're encouraged, and, you know, on an absolute high, because the Lord's encouraged you on these things. And then what happens? A day, a week, a month, whatever, you hit the real world, 
And you have to start processing that. And, you know, promises are so important. We do need them. We need the promise because it gives us a glimpse of our future. It does give us fuel in our tanks, right? When we're going down the road and we're like, okay, we've got this much fuel, but I know where I'm going. We need promises. They're really beautiful. And, I mean, we've had promises over the last 21 years of our marriage. Um, actually, I don't think I was thinking about it. I don't think I've had promises before then. I didn't have any many words given to me before then. So obviously, like, like <laughs> promise number one, the Lord had a plan. Um, but literally, I think from our, in our engagement words that we started getting and that, we've been given amazing words that have fueled us over the last uh, 21 years. Some unbelievable, you know, so unbelievable, like an Abraham-type word that you're like, nah, it can't be true, you know. Um, you know, I was 22 when we got married, and like, I'm just a pickaninny, you know, and, um, and you get these words of things, and it's like, no, that can't be true. But there's something of a what if in those words that resonates with your spirit that you think, oh, actually, my head says this, my heart says maybe this will come true. And we need those promises. You know, um, the promise is great, but then we need, it's a moment, then we need to engage in the process, right? And Chris Vallotton says that you can't go from promise to the palace like Joseph without going through process. It's such an important part, and it's not always glamorous, is it? It's not always a very glamorous, um, a glamorous thing. There's moments of glamour where things are going great, and then there's other not-so-glamorous moments. If you think about... Um, if you ever have had that news or shared in someone's news of, like, you're pregnant, whatever, blood test or stick or whatever it was, you're pregnant. Like, it's that moment of, like, oh, my word, how unbelievably fantastic. It's this goosebump moment, you know. And then other things start to happen that maybe aren't as glamorous, right? <laughs> morning sickness comes and, you know, morning sickness produces sickness. Not so glamorous. Although there are beautiful, glamorous parts. I mean, I think Kirsty, when she was pregnant, <laughs> glamorous. Um, but you can't skip the process. And process has time to it, right? As does pregnancy. It's got a time to it. You need to go through a process before something is birthed and born. And the incredible thing is that you can't, well, the discouraging thing is that you can't always see what's happening in the process, yeah. right? Yeah. Think about it. If you've been a dad and you've had that amazing news and then it's like, okay, it's not real because you can't see anything. There's not even a, a showing of, of the stomach yet, you know, but in that moment, in that secret place, things are being formed. Yeah. Things where you don't see anything happening. No, it, are you sure, you know? Maybe we do need to go get the blood test just to make, you know, and you go through that. Nothing is happening in the physical or, um, or visible, but in the hiding place, in that secret place, little arms, little eyes, little cells, ears are forming. Things are forming that you will not know until you see it fulfilled later or you get a really good scan in a few weeks. And so pregnancy process has a time. Pregnancy has a time. It's nine months, right? And if you try and shorten that, the period by which you try and shorten that pregnancy, the less of a chance that baby has of living, right? And most times we want to shorten the process. We just want to like condense it and bring it. But the time of birthing has not come. We need to see those promises fulfilled and if we try and birth them a bit earlier, you're not ready for it. Your character hasn't been tested yet. You haven't been groomed yet. And so less chance of success or survival that your promise, your baby is going to have. And so today is really just an encouragement to engage in the process. You know, and when we're in the time of process, we need to get perspective. We need to rise up above that valley. You go from that mountaintop moment, you're in the valley of process. You need to rise above and you need to get a bird's eye perspective of what the Lord is doing. Because sometimes I think when we're going through difficult times, it really is hard to see the wood through the, for the trees. I mean, it's just completely 
cloudy and we need to rise above, come back to the promises that he's given us, the voice of Jesus, and then to get his perspective over and over. And those things mingle and you cycle between those three things. And then obviously we need people around us, right? We need the gray-haired people around us to give us the thing. And some of us, I've only got a few. Um, But, you know, my 13-year-old daughter here has got a few gray-haired. She's been through experiences and she's learned things. Metaphorically. Metaphorically, not really. She's not prematurely aging. But... We need the people around us to say, this too will pass. People with experience and age can say, son, this too will pass. And I want to say to us all today, whatever you're going through at the moment that you're struggling with, this will pass. Otherwise, what happens? We give up. Pregnancy is not like that. You can't give up. That baby is coming one way or another, natural or Caesar. It is coming, right? We can't give up. And all promises should be viewed that way. There's a baby coming. Your promise is coming. Never give up. Because you might be eight months and 29 days into your promise, into your pregnancy, and you give up. And I was encouraged recently, there's no biblical precedent for giving up. No biblical precedent for giving up. Never give up. And, you know, for me, the the crux of perspective over that time, through all the contradiction that's happening, to get the perspective that he is good. Family, he is good. He is always good. And he's always working for the good of those that love him. We have to land in that place. Mila, do you want to put that slide up? It's a very artistic drawing. Mm-hmm. Um, but just this, this, this thing of this, this mountaintop uh, promise moment, and then you, the promise start, the process goes, and you in the valley, and there's ups and there's downs. It's not a flat line like that. Um, but in that process season, often, I don't know anyone that can tell me differently, when you're going through a process before promises is achieved, is that there is a contradiction, seeming contradiction. That's the process that T.D. Jakes was talking about, is that this is not true, you know, what you're promising, oh, maybe I'm only believing that, maybe that's just a Bethel thing, believing that things work out right. And you go through these processes where things are in contradiction, right? And that's the place where you need to get his perspective over and over and over. His voice people and altars, right? We need to be building, we need to hear his voice for ourselves. There's nothing that can replace that. We need people around us that can encourage us, that can remind us of what he said and his voice. And then we need to build altars or memorial stones like, um, like Abraham did, that we keep coming back to, that we keep coming back to. And for me, journaling is a process of that, those altars, where um, we just keep coming back to what the Father has said and building something that reminds us of, what we, um, of who we are and what, what he's said he will do. And so I just wanted to just look at Abraham's life just as, a, as an example um, because that is an incredible story of perseverance. I'm going to share some of our three-year story just now. But, I mean, he's got a 25-year promise that he waited, you know, 25 years. Maybe some of you here have been waiting for 25 years for certain promises to be fulfilled. But it's an incredible story of faith, right? So he gets his first promise in Genesis 12. I think it's his first one. Like amazing promise. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and all the families of the earth shall be blessed. I mean, that's like, that's a pretty like unbelievable, incredible top mountain, mountaintop moment, right? The whole earth 
is going to be blessed for you. And anyone who comes against you, I'll come against them. I mean, can't lose, right? Um, just an incredible, an incredible promise. And he's 75 at that time, right? And then what does he do? Later on in verse 7, he, said, he goes and builds an altar. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. It's such an important thing. Because he comes back to this altar in a few, in a few chapters or in the next chapter. In verse 13, verse 4. I mean, he's gone through famine. He's got issues with his wife and people want to take his wife and all of these things. And then he comes back after this difficult time and increase. It says, to the place where he had made an altar at the first and there Abram called upon the name of the Lord, right? We need to go back to those places of what he said and call upon his name and hear him in those moments. And then he, God promised to make his name great. He gets made great, right? He gets, he gets big increase, such big increase that him and Lot have started having fights over, like, they've got too much. There's not enough. They've got too many things for the land that they're in. And so he goes through a time of, of strife. So his really promises are being fulfilled, of his name being made great, right? And then in um, verse 13, verse 15, he gets his, second, uh, his third promise. God says to him, For all the land that you see I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that it, if one could count the dust of the earth, your offspring can be counted Right? We need to come back to those places as we go through the process where the Lord speaks to us again. It's reminding him and adding layers to the, the promise. And then he hears the Lord's voice and the Lord says to him, arise. Because he probably was pretty downcast, right? Arise, be active, walk the breadth, and the, let's, uh, the breadth of the land. And, and so he gets these amazing promises. And then a fourth one. In verse 15, verse 1, it says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, because he was probably scared, right? Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. Now, I mean, he's already got massive increase that they can't even share the land, right? This guy's living in a pretty victorious space. But he doesn't see that, right? He, do, he focuses on the unfulfilled promise. So he says, But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will, and, um, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him: This man shall not be your heir; your very own son will be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look toward heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord. And the Lord counted to him as righteousness. And so there's moments of incredible encouragement along the way. He's working up and down. And then what happens? Still delay. And he goes and tries to shortcut the whole process with his wife. And goes with uh, Hagar and Ishmael is born tries to shorten. It's like, no, no, it's not happening in our time, in the Lord's time, so I'm going to just shorten this process, right? And that obviously causes him a, a lot of pain. So from that point to when he gets the, the, the final promise, till he's 99, and then at, I think at, at 100, um, Ishmael, I mean, Isaac gets born. But 25 long years of working through these things, it's a really long time. And when we've gone through difficult times and we haven't for seen the promises fulfilled, um, we get to what Abraham got to in, in verse seven, uh, chapter 17. He laughs, right? It's like you've all these promises. Like it's, it's laughable, actually. 17, verse 15. And God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to him, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? 
So Sarah, who is 99 years old, bear a child. And then he asks her, he appeals for Ishmael again, you know. He laughs. And I'm, if I'm honest, there's moments, and I'm sure if you are, there's moments in the last while where I've gotten to a point where you hit that moment where it's so contradictory. You're like, Lord, like, you actually laugh. This is, this is not, and we laugh in disbelief, right? And then his wife, in chapter 18, verse 12, she also laughs when the Lord says, no, no, you will have uh, a child. Um, so Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? I mean, he's 100 years old, right? Is it even possible at 100? I don't know. I won't, no one is there that close, so I won't put you on the spot. But, um, but what is the Lord's response to that? She's laughing. He's laughing. And the Lord says, is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? That is the Lord's response. And what does he do? From us laughing at these unbelievable, can this happen? He turns that laughter into true laughter when the promise is fulfilled. And that's what happens a couple of chapters later. He's 121 verse 6. And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. That's what he does for us, friends. He makes laughter for us. From crying and laughing about the impossibility of a task, he brings it to a place of laughter. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet, I have borne him a son in his old age. He is faithful. He is so, so faithful. And so I want to take you through the last two, three years um, of our story, just to make it real and share testimony. And I'm going to... Show you, show you my underpants, so to speak, as Sean says. <laughs> I'm going to read a bit out of my journal. And I'm just wanting to do that to be very intentional, to make it real and practical on how, you know, we just because it's great to talk about promises, oh, and then you get there. And, and we've had massive breakthrough recently, but we're not out the woods. We're still in a part of process, right? And so it's just so helpful, I think, to share as we're going through the, these moments. And so... <clears throat> Our wrestles that we've had <clears throat> over the last three years, particularly, not wrestles, promises and beautiful things that we've been wrestling with have been around pretty much three things. Around a house uh, that the Lord spoke to us in 2009 that we'll build that has, um, yeah, a lot of promises not just for us, but for others of what he said to us. So we've been wrestling around our house. We've been wrestling around church as this church has been, you know, it's almost what, 18 months old. Uh, a lot of uh, wrestles around uh, what's been going down there and venue and, and then also business because uh, we're very much called to be um, in business and in church leadership. And the Lord has confirmed that in so many ways. And so those are the three areas that we've been that we've been wrestling through. And, you know, so we've got the promises. We're then in the process, right? And we've had the most incredible words again that then pop up um, through that process uh, that over the last three years. I mean, Keith Ferranti from the, the uh, Mission Church in Vacaville. I mean, he's like, you know, business going to the top and then business is going to the bottom, you know? <laughs> Just like words of like, wow, actually, you know, such layered words and... Um, Richard Gordon from Bethel about being um, encouraging like into like rev leading revival and also into business and these multi-layered words that come and they lift you up, you know. Uh, Rob Kinsella um, recently, a um, number of months ago about, you know, about this church, you know. We're struggling for two years to find a, a venue and it's not about the venue, right? It's about opening it to the world so that people can be changed in that. But 
He's like, I see like you, like 120. Have you guys got a church of 120? I'm like, no, no. We're meeting in a house. We may be like 40, you know. And it's not about the numbers, but it's about the, the promises of what he can see in the spiritual. And you're wrestling for these things, but you're not seeing them, right? Um, and then business, again, like speaking massive business word, probably the biggest word I've ever had came from him in the worst of the worst time that we've ever been. And it's like, oh, you know, okay, Lord, I'm going to believe again, you know. Um, and then through Phil and uh, Gina, um, Philip and Gina, uh, Susie Tricky giving us a word again about business and like um, us spreading the gospel up into Africa, into Kenya, Tanzania, and that would come through our business. And I'm doing no business in Kenya and Tanzania. You know, so it's like, how's that going to come? But we've just started doing business in both those countries, you know, in November. So it's just these amazing words, these promises, and they give you hope. But then you go through the times of you laugh at those. You're in the moments of the high, and then you're in a low. And that's what the struggle of process is. Keeping on coming back and encouraging ourselves in the Lord. You know, we, our house, we got to the middle of this year. And I mean, this house, if you go to our house and you show you pictures, we've got the promises set into the foundations of the house we built for our family, for this community, right? We've literally, we wrote them down and we buried them in the concrete when we were doing those foundations. This has been in the making since 2009. It's not just, oh, we want a lovely house. There's a lot more layers to that, you know. Hit the middle of this year, and maybe I think some of you know because we were open with you, but we had to put a house on the market, right? So now it's almost like our Isaac that's on the altar. It's like, Lord, not because it's an idol, but because it's the promise, right? You promised this thing, it came into being, and now we have to put it on the market because things are so bad financially, right? Those are the contradictory times. And saying, okay, Lord, many tears that have happened, but we'll do it, you know? And then we made peace with it, and then no offers. <laughs> because the Lord is good. <laughs> you know, our business, if I could show you our graph from what we were doing a few years ago to the last three years, it's just been crazy. I mean, we've just had, yeah, the fa I didn't think we would see the end of this year. Our, our manufacturing business, um, the coffee business is doing really nicely, thank Jesus. But we get our income through the manufacturing business because the other business is growing and we need to, we don't get money from that really. So that's just growing. But the money that we live on comes from the manufacturing business. It's called Red Hand. When I read it later, you'll, you'll read why I say that. And in the church venue, I mean, literally for two years, I shared a bit about this last week. I won't go into it again now, but it was a miracle. I mean, we've been trying since before we started the church. And I only realized that when I looked in my journal yesterday. Before we even started this church, we were looking for venues and it just was not forthcoming, right? And so, yeah, I think that that come of in those moments of coming and getting perspective from him, as I said, I'm, a, a big one for me is obviously people, but you cannot replace hearing his voice for yourself. You cannot replace that because that's, you can take to the bank, so to speak. Yeah. You can trust on that, right? And so a big process for me is, is journaling. And, and then obviously people, you know. In September last year, there was a, a very prophetic guy that was at Breakthrough Life, and he was, but in very business-focused. And he was going and calling people forward and then giving words around business, right? And Roe went up, and Roe's standing up at the top. And I've heard some words that have been spoken over this man, and they big, right? So Ro's like, okay, like ready. Gets to him. The guy says to Ro, no one in your church will go bankrupt. And then moves on. And like, I'm sure like Ro's like, nice one, you know? But you know how many times, so you probably even forgot about that, you know? In terms of a process, you know how many times this year I've had to go back and say, Lord, you said, you said, no one, that includes me, right? And I've prayed it over many of you that have gone through, through tough times, and no one is going to go bankrupt. You come back to that altar 
to that memorial stone. Philip, literally three weeks ago, whatever, sends me a word from Derek Prince, an audio clip, saying, him speaking, like there's no biblical precedent to ever give up. I was like, oh, you know, you're wrestling through these give up, carry on, give up, carry on. And you're in these moments of that. And he gives me, I'm like, Philip, thank you. That spoke to me. That spoke so deeply. I mean, Jake, I'm not, um, Jacques, after our process of our breakthrough, sends me that TD Jakes thing about, um, about crushing, right? And like, I listen to it and you're like, oh my word. And now you've had a bit of breakthrough and you look and you say, oh yes, Lord, that's what you were doing. I can see now this perspective. I understand what you do. So what am I going to do? Thanks to Jacques. That's my holiday reading. I'm going to go read crushing because of the process, not because I'm crushed, but I'm like, oh Lord, what have you, what are you forming? Like, why are you forming these things? What do you want to pour out? What are you actually going to do, right? We need people. And we came to a moment uh, two Wednesdays ago when we chose to, like, no, we're going to choose to believe for miracles. Um, and that was the day we got our, um, our, red, uh, our venue, that day, um, that afternoon. Just a miracle story. Many of you, we've shared a bit about that, so I won't go into it. But off of the back of that impossible story, John Crumpton last September gave us a word, right? Now, in the things were like really bad, not nearly as bad as they were this year, but they were bad already then, you know? And he gave us a word after Sean and Janine uh, launched their album that night. And he's just like, I was praying for us, and he's like, I've got it. I feel your sales are going to, I feel like your sales are going to double by November. So we were like, yes. Awesome, Lord, you're coming through. Double sales, right, by November. We need this. October is our anniversary, our 20th anniversary, so we go and we're on a holiday that we couldn't really afford for a few nights because you know what? November's coming and sales are going to double, right? And November came and went. And then it was coming up to this November and we're like, Lord, Actually, I mean, I think we've said this to somebody. Like, remember, we like, it was for last November. Maybe you meant this November, right? <laughs> and he did. He did. And I mean, we literally had almost a triple month of sales um, in November. Literal miracle. The day after the venue came through, the biggest challenges, right? House, venue, and church, and, and, and uh, income, right? Literally, within a day, in the Lord's timing, so he gave us that time. And I mean, we're still below budget for the year, but we were a long way from budget before that. It was literally about a triple month, and we were already doing well, even more than that, maybe. It's just ridiculous. Orders flowing in from Tanzania, from Kenya, you know? And so... I think when you have the breakthrough, I spoke a little bit about this last week, about perspective, you know. We had sundowners two days after that with someone we know at the top of Rosebank, and you just look out over the entire city. It's in perspective. It's possible. The impossible possibilities feel small, and you get perspective when you're in that high place, right? And so just the, the, the blessing of the Lord, it was just such a beautiful way to celebrate these two massive breakthroughs that we had in our life from this place of perspective, from a view. For, um, and you look back and you, you see that it was all worth it. It was all worth it, right? Because you can see some of the things that the Father was working in you over that time, which you can't always see in the process. And as I said, we're still in the process of working that through. Uh, we're not out of the woods, but... A massive, massive victory. And so I'm going to, very deliberately, I'm going to read you some excerpts from my journal, right? Because if you don't have perspective and you're not processing the Lord's voice on a regular basis, there were many times in my life years ago where I didn't do so well, you know, through a difficult time. Beginning of this year, the word for the season, first pre preach, Thriving in the desert place, right? Yeah. Even in the desert place, we can thrive. 
and we can experience His goodness. But I just wanted to share these and read some of them just to, just to show you the reality of struggle. And I mean, so yesterday I went and I, I literally thought, okay, well, where am I going to get? I've got a, it's a long, it's a lot of stuff. And I literally, I chose February 2018. And I, as I read through, I'm like, oh my word, yes, this one, yes, this one. I can share this, this, this. And then I was like, okay, well, should I do June? And I said, no, let me do February 2019. So I've picked up a couple of excerpts from there and then November, just to give you a little bit of the, the process. And hopefully in, the, in this, you see some of the process of, that you could make practical for you as you work through and, and journal through things so that you can track the goodness of the Lord. You can go back and you say, oh, yes, Lord, you were speaking. You were doing this. You were speaking. And the way to encourage yourself by doing this. And so this first one is from the beginning of Feb. We hadn't, even, we hadn't started the church. We had um, just decided, we had just heard in Jan that the Lord, we felt the Lord asking us to do that. And in that place of like just insecurity, you know, the Lord has brought me so far, people, in the last while over these years, you know. And so a lot of them you'll see, it's the HP is my honest prayer, the cross is when the Lord speaks to me. Papa, help me own and be confident in the fact that I am a church leader. If I had to get up in any context that I would be able to stand tall in you. What is my story? Papa, I'm scared about Red Hand. That's the name of our manufacturing company. Holy Spirit, help me rest in you. Trust you for complete provision. And then his voice to me. Robert Ernest, my boy, you have everything you need. This is the exciting time of us getting to know each other, to unwrap those things in your heart that make you burn with excitement. They've been a little hidden. Don't entertain any level of comparison with other people or insecurity. It's a smokescreen designed to cripple the God image in you. Your story is knowing me, being wrecked by my goodness. Mm. The Lord, I'm not sad. When I feel his presence, I cry, people. Um... Unpacking what everyday life looks like, the simple life, delighting in me and finding delight in the things that I have designed. Finding me in everything, beautiful family, brave risk-taking and creating in business, adventure and travel. Why do you even ask me about Red Hand? You know I've got this, but I see your heart. So I will give you a sign today, a gift today. A couple of days later, 7th of Feb, Red Hand retrenchment letters went out yesterday. We had to retrench. And then I've grayed out the juicy bits. So, no, I'm joking. <laughs> you can read close. Um, Robert Ernest, my son, stop and drink. I am the living water. Drink of me and you won't get thirsty. You need to know how to drink of me. It will sustain you through all the seasons we are going to go through, this time, this precious time together, to find me in the chaos, do this and you'll always be okay. How's that for a good father? Telling you in advance, it's going to be okay. You know, that was 2018 Feb. Then after Valentine's Day, do you remember that? Jacob Zuma resigns. Hey, top, top uh, right there. Um, new season, just the encouragement. We're going back to our diary. We encourage ourselves in the Lord daily, right? It's a new season for South Africa, for the church, which we hadn't even started yet. Dream and strategy for Red Hand, for our house, which we were in the process of um, still building at that stage. My honest prayer, Papa, it's a new season. Thank you. Pour out rivers of blessing on this nation, on Red Hand. I need you this month to break through. Provide for us, Papa. Robert Ernest, my son, do not worry what you will eat or drink. Seek my face. I will not let you down. Rest in me. 21 Feb. We're bringing that in for our venue, right? We still hadn't started the church. We saw 21.30 yesterday. Jesus? Question mark. There's Kirsty. You can't see her. Uh, at the top there, we thought that could be our venue until we heard a couple of days later it was going to be about a 120,000 rand a month. So, <laughs> The breakthrough and the not breakthrough, right? 
Um, then skipping to 1st of February 2019. First of the month, how's that? Both Februarys. Month end, I can't pay my bills. Why don't we have money? <laughs> Why is breakthrough at Red Hand not happening? What is the Lord inviting me into? Often when things are not working out the way you thought, there's an invitation to something else, right? He's inviting you into change. There's, Papa, please show me clearly, because I couldn't see what to do. Why no provision through Red Hand? To highlight something else to me, what could that be? The only options I felt at that stage would be to sell Motherland, our coffee business. That makes me sad. The original vision and DNA and dream feels distant, unaccomplished. We didn't want to do it, right? Then 5th of February, same month, worship night last night with Jane and Connor Lawther from 24-7 Church. And you can't read it there, but they gave us a word. This is a word for this church, right? Then this is the next day, and I'm like, I feel such a deep, lingering presence of Jesus. Right when I'm thinking I must go back to work, right when I'm thinking I must go back and, you know, take it over, make an Ishmael, because we have no money, this word comes, an encouragement to open up the collective to the world. That's what, what the encouragement was, i.e. be more intentional. If I go back, uh, if I go into Red Hand every day, the collective will get too little attention. Just a moment of encouragement to keep, to keep um, pressing forward. 12th of Feb, after the Paul Manwaring School, our house, it's a photo of my study there. Your dreams, this is the father, little cross, that's the father's voice to me. Your dreams are my dreams. Your house is an expression of creativity. It's beautiful, my son, and I'm so proud of you. I will provide for you. I am a dad. I think I've just been thinking, like, there's a dad. How is a dad? I know how I treat my boy. Is that the way you treat your son, you know, wrestling through that? No. He's like, I am a dad. You are safe with me. I am your dad. I don't know, a few days later, just his voice to me. Robert Ernest, my son, focus your eyes on me, not the breakthrough. The breakthrough is not meant to be the object of your affection. It's never meant to be the object of our affections. Your energy poured into that. Pour your love and affection and thoughts to me. All things find their proper place in me. I really do love you, my son. Let that sink in and wash over you. All things find their proper place in them. 21 Feb. Uh, I'll go to the second one. The Wesleyan opened up. It's like a picture. We, the Wesleyan was our venue, right? The guys that agreed, it was done deal. Felt like a day of breakthrough for me. Red hand idea, venue opened up, preacher idea came, in, came together, and hope for the South African economy. I think Tito Mbuweni had just done his speech. Robert Ernest, my son, yeehaw. <laughs> if only you could see what I have in store for you. But take courage and find peace in knowing I am a good father and I have these plans for you. Twenty-seven of Feb. Papa, tomorrow it's month end and I don't have enough money to pay my bills. <laughs> Is there an invitation to do something different? And then we encourage ourselves, right? We declare who he is. You are God of the angel armies, the I am, the creator of heaven and earth. You own the cattle on a thousand hills. Nothing is impossible for you. Now jumping to 19th of November, the day after the um, 94.7, a weekend when we didn't have church, we went away that weekend to have some time out. Um, just after our tree got cut down, for those of you that have been there. Uh, back from the chalet, our tree is gone. We're very sad. <laughs> and I think I'm encouraging myself here because I was struggling. Like, does he actually care about the small details? We get to those moments, right? He cares about the small details of my life. 
He is interested in my life, my heart, my desires. He is my provider. Nothing is too big for my God. He is good. Never give up. Papa, fill me with your spirit today, with love, hope, peace, joy. And I just can't believe that I wrote this like two days before our massive breakthrough. And give me patience to withstand this testing time. The rain always comes. The rain always comes, friends. Seasons always change. This too will pass. Right? That's the declarations we make when it seems impossible. Save us before complete devastation. <laughs> Come just at the right time. And he came just at the right time. The next day, our neighbor complained and said uh, about us having church, the noise that we're making there, right? The next day, guys, he came just at the right time. That day, well, not that day, the next day, I went to bed quite sad that day. And this, tell, this tells the story of um, the following, the 20th, two days later. 19th, the 20th, we had the massive breakthrough Journaling on the 21st. Our oak tree is down and oak room for church. This is called the oak room, right? Um, what a miracle. As we need a venue after the non as we need the venue after the neighbor complained, I find the perfect solution, the pear tree. One season is finished and a new one arrives. The old oak is gone and the new oak has arrived. I went to bed two nights ago full of anxiety um, over needing to find a venue because I tried so hard unsuccessfully. And I woke up yesterday with two choices. I was in my study and I felt the Lord say, you can be overwhelmed today or you can choose to see this as an opportunity for a miracle for me to break through. And we obviously chose number two and we got that breakthrough that day. One, be overwhelmed. Two, be expectant for a miracle to happen. And it did. Thank you, Papa. And, and Papa, today, I said, another miracle, please. Money to pay our bills plus extra. And you know what? I wrote in there in red. You would have seen it if the projector was still on. The next day, the orders came through. So the, the end of the month, my last reading, and then I'm done. APSA orders flowing in. Papa, thank you. It's surreal that the season has changed. The 21st, a miracle venue, then prayed for another miracle, and look what happened. And you would have seen, um, yeah, just if I'd had on the projector, but I just said, like, more, Papa. May the miracles keep coming in. It's so hard to let it sink in. Crazy. This last season has been so incredibly hard. I need to drink of your goodness, Papa, and have my heart and mind restored. And on that day, you just realize that when the Lord breaks through, that you actually, there's, you, reason, you, you see the, some of the difficulty of a past season and how you actually almost battle to absorb it because you've been frustrating, right? And you've been wrestling between his goodness and he's not good and he's good and he's good and you land in his good. But then it comes and it's like, oh my word, Lord, you really, really are good. And it goes deeper and we form strongholds in our heart, good strongholds of his goodness that we can keep standing on. And so that's why I say that we're not out of the, the woods yet, but we can stand firm still, right? Because the Lord is good and he always comes through for us. And I just want to encourage you over this this Christmas season now, this holiday time, we're not going to be gathering for a couple of weeks, that just to go and read Psalm 126. It talks about, we've been reading it over the last, a couple of times over the last little bit, and it came to me, I've got it highlighted in my, uh, in my journal that day, um, not realizing that I forgot, I don't know if I heard properly, but Kirsty read it in church the, the Sunday before, um, Psalm 126, about how he's going to, um, he's going to just fill our dry hearts and soak them. So I just want to read the last part there. It says, Now, Lord, do it again. 
Restore to us, us to our former glory. May streams of refreshing flow over us until our dry hearts are drenched again. And I really just pray that over this community as we go into a holiday season of not gathering together, that there would be just a drenching of your hearts. Can we stand? Let's just pray as we finish off. And I just want to pray that the Lord just gives you such incredible moments of encounter over this time that literally your story will be this. It goes on to say, those who sow their tears as seeds will reap a harvest with joyful shouts of glee. They may weep as they go out carrying their seed to sow, but they will return with joyful laughter. He always brings us back to laughter and shouting with gladness as they bring back armloads of blessing and the harvest overflowing. And so, Father, I just pray for every single one of the people that are part of this collective community. Father, that there would be armloads of blessing and harvest that they come back with, that we all come back with in January, Father God. I, I pray such blessing on, on just moments of encouragement, moments of you drenching our hearts, Father. Some of the breakthrough hasn't happened yet. You can still drench our hearts, Father. And Father, I just thank you for your encouragement, for your goodness. <clears throat> I thank you that every single one of your promises will be fulfilled. But let us not give up. Let us not give up. And so, Father, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would just minister so deeply to us. Just individually, Father God, nothing replaces your voice. This is beautiful getting together and gathering in community, but nothing replaces your voice to us personally, Father. And Father, I just thank you that you, people are going to come back so full, such overflowing ble blessing, Father God, uh, miracles relationally, Christmases that have gone down bad in the past will go down amazingly, Father. We declare that in your name, where people have got relational difficulty, where people need healing, Father, I thank you that healing will come. Rest, Father. I pray for such incredible rest for all of us, Jesus, as we go out. Pray that we'll come back so full and ready for 2020, the beginning of a brand new decade. A brand new decade. And Father, I thank you, and we'll talk about that in January, that you spoke about building for the next 10 years. Not just surviving 2020, no building and vision and strategy for the next 10 years, Father. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit our website, thecollectivechurch.co.za.